What's up, everyone? It's Mickey Miller here with the Writers Talk Romance Podcast, bringing you session number two today with Willow Winters. This is an awesome interview. Let's get this party started. All right, well, thanks so much for tuning in to Writers Talk Romance with Mickey Miller. And in this interview, this is an awesome interview. Um, I'm stating this after we did the interview, which was a couple weeks ago. And Willow delves headfirst into the craft of romance writing, as well as the business end. And Willow is a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. And she understands the secrets behind success in writing as well as anyone in this industry. And we cover the appeal of dark romance on being a writer and a mom, the editing process, and so much more. This is an interview you don't want to miss. So without further ado, here it is. So what's going on, everyone? Mickey Miller in the house here with Willow Winters. And Hi, everybody. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, some, a little bit of dark romance and just uh, pick Willow's brain here about uh, everything she's done in the last couple of years. I'm super excited. I'm excited too. So, yeah, what's going on, Willow? How are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal. I just got edits back on Scarred, so I'm really excited. I have to go one more round of edits, and then I can send it off to the ARC team and just hold my breath until it goes live. So I'm that anxious, relieved, bubbly state right now. Yeah, that's always it's always a good feeling when you're finally done. Uh, yeah. Or- well, it's kind of good, but it's also kind of terrifying because now I'm like, well, now other people have to read this. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully it's good. We'll see. So one beta reader down. I have four to go and then an entire ARC team. So hopefully they like it. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have four beta readers? Yep. I have four beta readers, four editors, um, and they get it at the same time. And then the ARC team gets it afterwards. And I've heard back from, you know, one beta reader, another message me today that she's through it. And the other two were starting today. So um, I'll see what they have to say and do this last round of edits. And hopefully they don't have anything negative to say or anything that's too uh, big to <laughs> fix. If they do, then I won't have the anxious, bubbly feeling. It'll be the horrified, oh, my God. <laughs> feeling. Yeah, that's always always tough when you got to go back and... Uh, and fix something. Shift yeah. stuff around. Yeah. So anyways, today we're going to start. This is actually, so this is going to be the well second episode of podcast. So I think Yay. people are pretty pumped. Um, and what's it called? Writers Talk Romance. I love that. That's a good yeah. title. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to have a lot of romance writers on here, but mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe we'll branch off at some time. But so... Um, I want to just ask, start off by asking you the question. Um, I'm just really curious. I mean, we obviously we've spoke, we've met, uh, we Willow and I for we everyone did. listening. We met at Romance Writers of America uh, last uh, summer in person, which was pretty fun. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I was really excited. Yeah, in magical uh, Orlando. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of terrified uh, before going, but. Yeah. Uh, being there was really wonderful, and getting to actually meet people. Yeah, you know what's funny? You, you always say you're terrified. You were eight. You were <laughs> super bubbly throughout. But also, I always hear that from so many authors and readers alike, and they're like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, this conference is like stressful." They're like pumped to go, but also stressed. I think we're all introverts a little right. bit. Like yeah, we I have think- an extroverted sense to us, but definitely introverts. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, somebody was just saying how um, it helps us to write our stories and come up with stories, but being an introvert helps that. Yeah, I think introvert by nature, I think you're kind of, if you're a little more introverted, you're led to writing and stuff. You're just introspective. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah but yeah, conference, it's a good time. It was a good time. Yeah, it was. I'm excited for next year. Um, I was just thinking about RT. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, RT in Reno next year. Reno, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you signed up? I signed up too. Cool. 
I signed up. Yep. <laughs> all right. And RWA. I'm going to do it all. Why yeah. not? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff. So for everyone, everyone out there, definitely go to some in-person conferences next year. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a blast. So, uh, But the first question I want to ask, and like I said, I kind of we talked about this a little bit, but I think I'd love to hear it and just go a little bit more in depth and just kind of know uh, what's your story? How did you, uh, oh, yeah. you know, get started and, uh, just give a little background on that. Well, um, it started technically around five years ago. I think it was five years. Hold on. I have to do math. Um, was it five years? Yeah. Well, a little over five years now. Is it six years? Five or six years ago, I was in the PhD program um, at the University of my state, and I was going for neuroscience, and I had been there um, at that specific um, lab for three years. I was a lab manager before being a PhD student, and um, I just, I had it. I, I had reached my breaking point. I was engaged at the time. We were talking about having children during my fourth year of the doctorate which would have meant that I would have been pregnant when getting like doing my dissertation. And I was working 60 hours a week, seven days a week. I was exhausted. I was still doing lab management activities while also having to handle classes, running classes and running experiments. And it just got to be very overwhelming. And I sat back and I thought, you know, is this making sense? Because you know, I wanted to stay home with the kids. I worked with um, developmental neurobiology. So I have very strong opinions about how I wanted to raise my kids. And I wanted to be there with them. And so did um, Sean, at the time my fiancé, but now husband. And um, it didn't make sense for me to kill myself for four years to be unhappy and to basically throw my career in the toilet by taking time off. So I quit. And it was probably the one of the lowest points of my life. Um, I was like super unhappy. I was doing nothing. I went from being like the smart person to what is she doing like with her life kind of. And um, yeah, you know, we was, weren't even married like, yet. Like hmm? who who was uh, like was that from your colleagues or your coworkers or like what Well from everybody. Or? Well after that yeah. I became a stay at home mom and um, you know, like a few people have said, Oh, I forgot you were smart. When having a conversation, like, like there's definitely a stigma against stay at home moms, but I did it because of the knowledge that I had and because of the ways that I wanted to do it. Um, but I was just very low and very hard on myself, which I think I am in general and still am. And, um, my friend Natalie, who's actually my ex-boyfriend's sister came over and I had jury duty to top it all off, like the cherry on my shit pie. And she said, while you're there, you should read this book. And you, wait, you already had a child at this point. No. Or you didn't? No. Okay, you didn't. No, no kid. Just literally just alone in a house, depressed and thinking that I might have just destroyed my career. Not even married yet. And we had bought our house, so we had bills. And it was, it was just, uh, it was like not the best time of my life, but I was making a decision to protect my happiness and to be happy moving forward and to make the right decision for years down the line, basically. Um so my friend comes over and she's like, hey, you know, read this book. And I was like, okay, what is it? And she said, it's called Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, she, she's the same person who gave me, like, um, Just Listen by Sarah, is it Dessen? Um, which is young adult. She gave me Certain Girls by Jennifer Weiner. Weiner, not Weiner. <laughs> um, but really good, like, chiclet and young adult books. So I was not expecting smut. And it was my first time reading Smut. So I'm sitting in a jury like room with all these people like waiting and hoping that I don't get picked. And I start reading it. And that's when I realized, you know, what it was. And I was kind of like, you know, embarrassed. Like I look up and like ladies were watching me. Like I didn't, I was in a bubble, you know, I was only working, 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 working. And I didn't realize what it was. I also didn't know it was a cliffhanger. Um, but then I, you know, I was at this low point. I read straight through the trilogy, cried my eyes out at the start of, at the end of the first one. Cause I didn't know it was a trilogy. Um, <laughs> and then after I was done, I was like, I could do this. And so just to distract myself and just, you know, be happy. I wrote a story and I didn't know what to do with it. And my friend Samir said, you know, you can always publish in Kindle Unlimited. It's like, I heard it's super easy. So I made like a cover on Photoshop with my face. Um, it took me about two minutes to make. It was horrible. Um, the book Wait, you made a cover with your I face the, on it? 
Yeah, I have my face book. on it. The first book oh, that I ever man. wrote. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awful. Did it's you have any like, like paperbacks I, made of that? They're, I do, I do. Uh, I have a paperback um, the somewhere edition. around here. It's, it's in like the bottom of a box in a closet. It's really bad. My grandmother has a signed copy, and oh, she that's... like loves it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it didn't do anything and it ended on a cliffhanger and I had like a word doc of the second part of it just sitting on my computer, but I got pregnant and um, there's a miscarriage that happens in it and it was right after she miscarried and I was like, well, I'm not touching this while I'm pregnant. Guess I'll see you later type of a deal. And uh, years went by and I didn't touch it. Nothing ever happened with it. Never made any money on it. It was just something that I did just because I was at a point in my life where I was in limbo. So then I had uh, my son, and then I got pregnant with my daughter. And when I was pregnant with her, I swear she's going to be drama, because all I did was read romance novels. I read a novel a day. I was hooked on them. I couldn't not read, and it was all I wanted to do was just read romance novels. And then I had her, and, you know, babies are very particular about, like, sleeping. She would only sleep if I had her right here. On my chest, she had to be upright on this angle. Wouldn't like would not sleep unless it was like that. But I can't sleep like this. So I found myself just like this with my laptop propped up on pillows, and I used to read on my laptop as well. Even though I have a Kindle, I had apps for my son on my Kindle, so I had the read cloud on my computer. But I didn't want to read anymore. Every time I started to read, I would feel like you know I could write something. And I remember back when I had published that book and didn't even put any time or effort into. To it, then I made a few bucks. Uh, we were broke. I had mom guilt for being at home and not bringing in money. Um, and I thought, you know, let me make my own money and we can go to Dunkin' Donuts every day. I can get a coffee, I'll get my son hash browns, and then we can go to the park. And it's not going to be like something that I feel guilty about, you know, and I can like do it all. And I started writing and um, I started taking it seriously. And started putting more time. Every nap time, it became, you know, what am I going to do? I tried to learn how to make my own covers and it took me a long time to realize that that is not what I was meant to do (laughs) and I should not make my own covers. I should have somebody else do it. (laughs) And I spent time learning little things here and there and picking up things and it all just snowballed really quickly into something really wonderful. So that's how it started. Yeah. Wow, that's like a lot to uh, unpack there. First of all, I mean, I know, yeah, just a from lot the be- emotional, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, just from the beginning to, you know, I mean, thinking about, I mean, that must have been a tough decision because that's uh, to just leave like a PhD program in like, yeah, I'm, and that's I was salutatorian in high school. I was mm-hmm. like all honors AP. I was going to be done college in three years with a biology of uh, B in biology. I added on a BA in uh, neuroscience. You know, I was, I was like a smarty pants and that was my identity. So when I quit the PhD program and I'm just Sean's fiance, you know, it, it literally like my entire identity shifted. And then I was just Jax's mom. And, you know, so my, I didn't really have a good grip on my identity, but I knew I was doing what I wanted to do for my family and I was doing what would make me happy later on. So I just stuck with it. Wow. Yeah. That's a really, I'm honestly, I'm like a little bit uh, floored that you were able to make that decision at like also like a young age too. A lot of people make that decision in their like fifties, their forties and fifties when they realize they don't want this career anymore and they drop it and start doing what they've wanted to do. And that was one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, I'm a throwing my career away by being a stay at home mom anyway. Um, I would have done all of that work literally like in the science field, it moves so quickly that if you choose to take time off, you know, you fall behind very quickly. And, um, it was just something that it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it to continue moving in a career and in a direction that didn't match what I wanted later on. And uh, this career is obviously a blessing because I can do everything at home with my kids. And, you know, I, I didn't know that this was an option. I had no idea what I would do once my kids moved on and I had to actually get a job again. I had no idea what I would do. And I just didn't think about it because I just wanted to focus on what I knew would make me happy at the time and make me feel good about the decisions that I made. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm, uh, 
I was impressed <laughs> when you told this story the, at uh, RWA, and I still, it's just very, like, I, I commend you. That's awesome. And, um, and I also, one of the other thing, when you tell a story that um, I think about, like, I'm sure you have to have, like, a picture somewhere of you with baby on your, you know, on your yeah. chest and you're just like writing and that's like yeah. one of those I took a selfie once it was you? like this and I did yeah isn't that <laughs> so like I have it there somewhere yeah <laughs> I mean that's just like a classic that you'll show your kids someday and they'll be like just yeah know, just like one of those blow away photos um isn't there a picture there's like a famous was, picture of Stephen King like that it's like that yeah but I was just um, talking to um Elle James and she said that um, when she was writing, when she started and she had her daughter, um, she would put she, the only way she would go to sleep is the same way that Evie would go to sleep. And her daughter, when she finally putting her in her, to her room, didn't realize that people go to sleep with the lights off because she'd never gone to sleep with the lights off. It had always been the computer light on and in her face. So she had no idea it was new to her. So, oh <laughs> so I'm not gosh. the only one who has done that huh. yet. But I thought that was really funny. With Evie, she didn't, it wasn't that long. Um, it was only a few months or so, probably like six months before she would actually go down and stay down and okay. be happy in her crib. But, but for a while and for the beginning, this is, that's, I typed like this. And for nap times, just because that was more me though. I didn't want to go up there and put her in her crib. I just wanted, I figured I might as well cuddle her while she's napping. <laughs> That's so cute. I'm like a little bit jealous, but I'll, I mean, I'll have kids someday, but that's like super, that's yeah. just like have a kid. My, uh, one of my best friends who obviously I'm 30 years old, going to be 31 tomorrow, but, um, happy early birthday. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, I just remember one of my, my friends that he's like this huge guy. He's like six, six, you know, like played tight end in college football and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and he was just telling it, he was like, just kept telling saying like, He's just obsessed with his daughter, which is yeah. you know great. But he just loved. He just has this. I went over there for it's like the first, bundle. yeah, first kid that any of my you know high school friends have had because we're all kind of just taking our time here. And yeah. uh, <laughs> we go over there, and he just loves getting you know his baby baby uh, Margaret. He just loves having the little ball like. Oh yeah, right there. there. Too, That's where so. they belong. It's right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My sister's fiance. He's a big dude. He plays hockey. And uh, he's a real, like, intimidating type of guy that you wouldn't want to tick off. And they have a little boy, and he's the same way. That's right where a baby belongs, right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will know someday. We'll yeah, know, someday. someday. Yeah. <laughs> it's right around now is when all of my friends are having babies, too. All of them waited till after, you know, they went on and did other things. And I was the first one to have kids, basically, because they stuck with career, and, and I chose not to. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It's just interesting, though, too, just for, so you talk about, like, the low point, and you were at a low, like, emotionally, right. and I can imagine, I mean. Oh, it, there's a statistic that goes with that, too. It's lipsticks and romance novels, and during depressions, their sales actually go up. Isn't that weird? I've Everything heard that, yeah, like, like yeah. entertainment and stuff, it goes mm-hmm. up during, yeah, during when the, when, uh, yeah. When you're depressed and alcohol, every, the alcohol, yeah. you know, you drink it when you're happy, you drink it when you're sad. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but no, I can, I mean, now it's kind of looking back, it's like, oh, well, you know, that it's like, seems, I don't know, like you obviously made the right decision and, I feel like uh, you're doing great and everything with writing and stuff. But it, I mean, at the time that must've been like a huge decision I'm sure you like struggled it was it was and even now like um like I don't think mom guilt really leaves it just changes its form like I I work a lot and I work at home so sometimes it's difficult to turn it off and um Mm -hmm. you know my kids are home and I keep my door open but I'm not blind to the fact that hours and hours and hours will go by and sometimes I only spend you know a couple hours with them and I was just talking about my schedule um and, you know, I don't get up with my children anymore. I used to be the first thing they saw in the morning and the last thing they saw at night. And I write at night much better and much faster and the words just flow very easily. So for a long time, I struggled 
um, to write at night, get up early, stay with the kids, have family time, do dinner, do all the administration work of being a self-published author. Because as you know, that means you're running a business. You're not just the creative side, the author, you're also running a business and then write at night and then do it all over again, over and over. Mm -hmm. And when Sean quit, I tried to maintain that. I tried to maintain a schedule where I was still getting up with the kids and with him and we would do things together and then administration work together as well as like taking your kids together. And then the nighttime I was writing again and getting up early again. And it got to the point where Sean said, stop getting up with the kids. I'm getting up with them because I was just so drained and so exhausted and so upset all the time because I felt like I was failing in all aspects. Mm -hmm. So my schedule is a bit weird. You know, I get up at 11 a.m., <laughs> sometimes noon, <clears throat> like when my daughter is going down for a nap and my son's also a night owl, so he gets up with me. Um, but there's definitely mom guilt there. And like mm -hmm. I said, sometimes I work, you know, all day. So it never really quits, I don't think. Um, I think it's hard to find a balance. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, I can't... Um can't yeah, really you, say having no kids, so I'm. What I'm about sure your doggy? So well, yeah, the dog. I mean, I don't leave like leaving the dog at home for long periods of time, but you know, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think you did touch on something that was actually leads into what the next uh, thing that I'm curious about, which is so you kind of gave us the background on you um, since you, you know, made the decision to delve into romance writing, and mm -hmm. obviously we're getting a little taste of it's as I think people out there should know, or maybe they don't know, I don't know. that. If you don't know, go one click one of my books right now because they're <laughs> fabulous and you're going to love them. <laughs> you definitely will. Um, yeah. but, uh, but I guess what they don't know is it's, it's a ton of work. Like I think um, people sometimes underestimate that. And I don't know, I might have underestimated that uh, coming into it, but yeah. it's just like you, you just think um, – Oh, you hit this, you have this big book and you want to publish it. You're like, okay, we're good. Um, well, you can, remember. you can just hit publish. You can upload it and just hit publish, but it's not going to do anything for right. you. It's just going to, you know, you got, yeah. there's, there's a it's lot. It's going to do what the first book I wrote did. It's just going to sit there <laughs> yeah. and nobody's actually going to, even though some, some people did buy it, which was amazing because the cover was awful. And my keywords, like for the metadata that you have to put in, I'm pretty sure sex and, um, book like 50 shades and <laughs> like, those are my keywords. It was awful. I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, it does, it takes a lot of time and I, there's a very sharp learning curve and I feel like I learned a lot of hard lessons really quickly. Um, and I'm still learning. Obviously I've just transitioned from Kindle unlimited to wide, which is a completely different market. So your covers are different. The way you advertise is a little bit different. Your pricing strategy is different. Um, some people say the publication strategy for timing should also be different. Although I'm still playing with some things, um, so there's a lot to consider, and it's not just writing. I think, yeah, I, I remember somebody saying when I said that I feel guilty about not having the time with the kids, and they said, well, what are you doing? You work from home. And I said, you know, I'm working. They're like, I thought you said you write at night. And I'm like, there's so there's there's a million things. Like I have a to-do list a mile long right now, like tweaking covers, messaging people to get things, making sure that I, I have to change a blurb because I think that hints of cheating in the blurb, which there is none, but I think that it's, it's marketing my book the wrong way. And it takes a lot of time to get an eye for that and to grow and to learn, to figure out what's right. So yeah, it's, it's intimidating, uh, but you don't start out that way. You start out small and then you grow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is, <clears throat> it's a lot, um, at once. And I know you have like so much information, but I mean, I know you've held me when I was, uh, starting to, you know, do more, I guess like last year or so. Um, but I like talking about it. It's a lot of fun to talk about the business and yeah. no, I learn think, things. so I guess this is just my, my own like opinion is that as things become more and more automated, just in general, like in the world, um, we're going to need more artists and authors and that things like self-publishing are going to become more important just as a way for people to, you know, relate to um, other human beings. I know that's kind of like, sounds really uh, philosophical, uh, liberal artsy 
or something. A little bit, yeah. But I think it's you know it's it's more and more important to have more people that feel confident uh, trying to do that or getting getting out there if they have something. I to still say. don't feel confident. Yeah, imposter syndrome <laughs> I don't think is you real. Ever feel confident, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of insecurity, but you ignore the insecurity and you put it out there so you can grow and learn and share your work with other people. Yeah. So, but once it's your, once it's out there, I feel like it's not yours anymore. Like people are going to perceive it and interpret it in a way that their past and and their experiences allow it to be interpreted. So, that in and of itself is a very anxious feeling. So, yeah. Um, 100% agree. Imposter syndrome is real. It really is, yeah. Um, so, Will, you're talking about all like the hard work you've put in. And I think I think just to emphasize this, um, I personally am very just kind of blown away, honestly, by uh, oh, all, all that you've done. You've, uh, let's see, since you published your first book, I want to say it was in... Uh, it was last year, 2016, February. Was that right? As- May. May was my, well, technically, what year is it? Okay, so it's 26. Yeah, so it was 2016. So I had Evie in December. And okay. technically, my first book that I published was in Gen- or February. It was. So technically, it was in February. February, March, April. I ran my learning pen name, which was my maiden name, into the ground. Um, I made my own covers, and Goodreads keeps that. I wrote a book, Game of Thrones styles, with <laughs> characters interconnecting, and um, like there there were couples, and some they were still having issues in the next. Like it was it was a mess. I was writing just to write and to like. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think and that's then an I, interesting I, point yeah. though too, because I think people sometimes see, and even me, I'm like, oh, you published your first book in. You know, Dirty Down was in May, yeah. Yeah, in May, and you're just like, oh, well, that wow, that person just published, and then just, you know, I was in the bookstore and I saw, yeah, debut author, New York Times, and I was like, on that pen name, like, is that her first? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, that's (laughs) not how it works. I I have one book that I like. I tell us, I tried writing a book for like ten months before I published Mm -hmm. or wrote Playing Dirty, and that book was just awful. Like, I'm never gonna publish it, but. Um, but it's like the learning experience, right? It Um, is. It's a huge learning experience. And none of that work on my maiden name is actually public. Well, it's published still on my maiden name, but it's not doing anything. I think I make like $50 and I should probably spend some time in cleaning it up. And I was thinking about doing that for Halloween because it's paranormal romance. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, considering like, should I even look at what I wrote? And uh, my first book on, you know, this pen name Willow is Dirty Dom. And people still say it's their favorite. And I look at it and I read it and I'm like, it's not as developed. I don't, like, I'm not as good of an author, but the story still grabs me. I went in and I started editing it and I ended up reading. And I was like, okay, if, if that's my reaction to it and that's people great, are still yeah. saying that it's their favorite, mm-hmm. then it's a good enough story, even though the book and as an author, I wasn't as developed. And so I went back for Halloween to take a look at um, some of my old writing from this two years ago now, almost two years ago. In January, it'll be two years. And I posted um, a snippet, the first chapter of uh, Beauty and the Beast version that I did and my group went crazy for it. And I was like, this actually isn't that bad. Um, yeah. so you might go back and you might think and feel like it's awful, but if you go back, you might see that, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, I think, <laughs> yeah, you have a good point too, that like, of course, as you write more and more, like you get just your technical writing skills get better and you're able to describe certain things better. But if you have and you a learn scene, that you don't use dialogue correctly or right. enough or yeah. Yeah, yeah just you like learn the that balance stuff. of the development. But on the other hand, if you have a that is that's my opinion, it's like the most important thing is just if you have a story that grabs people, you know, mm-hmm. from the start, I mean it doesn't matter if your prose isn't the best. Yeah. So that's why, you know, exactly. I, I always encourage people have started asking me writing questions too, which I'm like, wow, this is uh flattering you're asking me. Yeah. But um, but it's just like, just write the story and if it's a, just, um, exactly. You have in an innate ability, even though sometimes you don't feel like it, like that imposter syndrome comes up. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but yeah. Yeah. It is very, imposter syndrome is very real. I can't believe you still have imposter syndrome though. You've like, I do. I'm like terrified the USA Today that bestseller list. My, 
No, I'm like terrified that nobody's going to like scarred. (laughs) So I don't feel good about it until I hear back from at least like a dozen people. So, and then sometimes even then I'm like, but we've worked together for a while. I wonder if you're only saying that not to hurt my feelings. (laughs) Yeah. You got to get someone new in there. Yeah. Occasionally um, I need somebody new to like a fresh perspective. Yeah. No, no. You never want to be like the emperor with no clothes where people are just telling you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, I wanted, I want to ask just, so a lot of your books are, like you have a lot of mafia books or yeah. like darker romance themes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious what drew you to darker Dark romances. Romance. Yeah. Well, I tried to write for not this past Halloween, but the Halloween before I had just finished broken, which like it was torturous to write. It was very emotional. And I tried to write a smutty little short, um, for, uh, anthology and I was like, okay, I'm going to make this like lighthearted and it's going to be something to like cleanse my palate because as a reader, if I read something really dark, I would go read something really smutty and short and like just mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah. cleanse my palate and get over that like emotional abuse that that book gives you. And, um, it turned so dark so quickly. It was supposed to be like the boy next door and it turned into like his parents abused him and her parents knew and they just wanted to keep her away and she tried so, to help him. Like it, So it, you it, tried to write just something smutty and short and sweet and then it got all dark it did not at all yeah it went I was just like I was crying I was like I feel so bad for this guy and he's like older so he felt guilty about having feelings for her not that much older but like you know he's like 17 18 and she's only 15 16 at the time and she feels guilty he feels guilty and he runs away and it's years later they get back like he hears that she's going to be at a halloween party so he goes and is like Ooh, you know party. yeah expresses what he felt so long ago <laughs> so it still ended up being like a shorter version but it just goes dark and i do i just go dark and i was talking about this with somebody the other day with sue from um from Love Swept. She's the editor there. And um, we were talking about it. And I said, I think that the appeal of dark romance and one of the things that we really like to, f- to feel, not only are those, you know, to really be shaken by a book and to make you feel, but to know that it can get very dark. It can get very upsetting. It can get to the point where you don't even have any more hope and you keep going back to like check reviews to make sure that this has a happily ever after. And they still get it. Like love will persevere and love will conquer it. And they deserve love and they're willing to open themselves up in a very vulnerable state and they're given love in return. I think that that in and of itself is a very good feeling to have like that shakes you down to your core and dark romance can take you there in a way that other romances can't or other books can't because you literally at times have no hope or you can relate to such a deep psychological level of their pain and it takes you to places where you know then you feel if they can have that then I'm deserving of that I can have that you know if their life is that shitty and mine's not that bad, I'm definitely going to have a happily ever after type of a thing. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So maybe that's why I do it. Cause I, I'm not like, if you read my books and then you, you meet me, you know, some of my favorite reviews that I think are funny are how does this, you know, cheery, bubbly person come up with yeah. these? Yeah. Fucked up um, books. That's, that's <laughs> what I thought the first time when we met in, uh, at RWF I was like, yeah, I was expecting like a really goth girl, like making yeah, obvious. I didn't. I didn't. I yeah, but yeah, I was a I was a dork. I was never <laughs> even went through my emo stage. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no, it's it is interesting because I mean, I, I, I mean, I would never even think to have uh, picked up a dark romance a while ago when I started this journey, but I'm starting to get kind of interested in it. it is I think to me it's you interesting it to explore like the dark side of a person because I mean evil exists. And what they can cope. My three books that I like like you so you know I have like my psych- psychology and neuroscience backgrounds. And the one yeah. of the things that I wanted to do, I said I want to write a book about coping and how coping can change you. So I created three situations. One where, you know, the villain, so they're all going to go through some sort of tra- tragedy. One where the villain you know, is killed. So justice is perceived, but you still have to live with yourself and your actions and your thoughts 
and the what happened between those two characters during that tragedy, even though you supposedly received justice, you know, you still have to live with you. And that can be very difficult to do after that. And then the second one is where the villain was not killed. So there is no justice or the, not that he had to be killed, but um, there was no justice. And it's how you cope with knowing that something happened and there's a villain still out there and how that changes you. And then the third is where there is no villain, where something tragic happens and you're just expected to continue to go on with your life and continue to live. So I created three different stories to write those because I think that mentality, like there is psychology and how it can change you and affect you and make you blind to certain things, um, can be really powerful and, and more importantly, you know, how love is and the ability to love and opening up and knowing that you deserve love can really help you get through that. So that's my, my romance side coming through there. But that's awesome. Yeah. That's like, so that's your, that's something that's coming up. Forget me. Not was the first one okay. where two children suffer a tragedy together and, um, they're split up. And then 20 years later he goes back for her. And it's about how both of them have coped with the situation and their actions and how neither of them is really quite right. And they both need each other basically for acceptance and love and understanding, um, but in way, very different ways. Um, and the second one, I don't want to tell anybody, sorry, that would be a spoiler alert. I can't name the other two. I apologize. Um, it's a very big spoiler alert if, for the books if I give away the other two. Okay. So, Fair yeah. Enough. Yeah, but the first one's Forget Me Not, so that one doesn't destroy anything if I tell you that yet. <laughs> yeah, that one. Everyone should go grab Forget Me Not if you haven't. It was, yeah. that was that was a USA Today bestseller, right? Mm-hmm. That was good. Um, yeah. I think it hit 67 on the list. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. awesome. And for everyone just out there, like that is very impressive to do that as <laughs> going you. to indie author. Like just, yeah. you know, having recently kind of... Uh, like you're still, you're hybrid considered. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I'm all wide now. All, I started KU, which is Kindle Unlimited. And then I, I moved all wide. And my series with Lauren Landish, the highest builder series was the last one to be moved over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, okay. it's done now. So all of them are wide. Yeah. And wide means available on all bookstores. Okay. Yeah. And in bookstores too. I'm now in bookstores and that's awesome. So yeah, that's like, yeah. that's, that's a quick turnaround. So what is your like process when you're going from, uh, like book to, or like rough draft or raw idea to rough draft to final draft? Yeah. So like with that third book, I guess I can tell you what the third book is because it's not really, uh, it's, it's not a spoiler really more about her coping. I had this, so I had the idea that I wanted to know how you would deal with a tragedy, how you would live knowing that this had happened, knowing that there is no justice that's coming and there's no ability for you to fix or change it. And, um, I thought of this story, but it was a true tragedy. And, um, I obviously can't tell you what it is. Um, but it's like, it's just upsetting, um, that you, you want hope in this story and you create things to help cope with that, with the fact that there is no hope. So you'll, you'll create something while the tragedy is occurring. It's God, it's hard to talk about it without telling you exactly what's going on. Um, but I don't want to give away any spoilers, but the fact is that it's, it's just simply a tragedy. And when that happens, um, Oh, my computer's at 6%. Um, give me just one second for me to grab my charger that okay. fell on the floor. My computer's going to be all wobbly and you're going to see my ceiling. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Ugh. Okay. Um, so, and obviously, so I'm thinking about this and I was like, that's not what I want. That's not what I want for this story. It wasn't my goal, but the story itself was very moving because it does show you how you cope with, um, with when you're going through a tragedy. And I wanted to write a story that happened after. So I'm in Dunkin' Donuts, right? This is right after Philly, Philly's invade fin. Indies invade Philly. I picked up a cold, so I I was coughing, and I needed to go to the doctor because the cough was lasting like three weeks, and I couldn't actually talk without coughing. It was that bad. And um, obviously, I had to go stab at Dunkin' Donuts before going. So I'm in Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm thinking up this story, which is very tragic, 
And then I thought, what if my heroine is reading this book, not realizing what it is, and she had just suffered a tragedy. And she sees a lot of the reflections of how she's coping and trying so desperately to find something to cling to, where she can either be angry at it, where she can find somebody to blame, she can try to deny certain things are happening. And what if she is reading this while the hero, who's also coping and going through his own things, but while he's trying to bring her back and, and show her, like, we can do this together, and that as long as we love each other, you know, it's it's okay to love again, basically. She's in the, of the mindset where if she were to forget, if she were to move on, if she were to love and accept love again, that it would be a tragedy and it would mean that she's not a good person after what had happened. They lose their daughter. That's it happens in the beginning of the book. So it's not a spoiler, um, but they lose their daughter and she's trying to, you know, understand that it's, well, she's not trying to, he's understanding that we can move on and be happy together and still live and take care of our other daughter. And it's okay. It's not hurting the memories of their lost daughter. Whereas she and a lot of people can't get past that. Um, so I'm in Dunkin' Donuts and that idea hit me and I'm just bawling. Like it was embarrassing. I stayed in line though and got my coffee, but I'm like, like just bawling my eyes out, thinking about these scenes, thinking about this woman who is falling into this book because she's so desperate to hold on to something and to try to not only fall into fantasy, like how I said, I, when I was at a low point, I went into romance, but the cover is removed from the book and there's a twist later and I can't tell you what happens in the book. Um, but it was just, so that like hit me out of nowhere was how I can use one idea and reflect it into this idea to show her development and have this kind of hit her hard. And so I go up to my doctor's appointment and I'm still crying because the scenes come like in little batches, you know, where you're learning new things about how it, they can, it can develop. And um, definitely, I think definitely like the scenes, oh, it just happens to me too. And I've started more and more, the more you like think about something, if you are like just when you're doing something random is when the the insight comes. Like it's not when you're yeah. sitting at the computer like trying yeah, no. to get it. It's when you're trying to sleep, when you're doing yeah. laundry, when you're doing the dishes. Yeah, that's when it hits you. Or when you're driving to the doctors. Yeah. Yeah. So I get like some at the doctors like still teary eyed, you know, so I, I'm trying to like stop and like take care of myself, but I'm writing all of this on my phone in notes. And I get into the back room and one of the ladies comes in and she's like, Here's a test for depression. Don't worry, we give it to everybody. <laughs> And I was like, I'm lying on this. I am not because, you know, I'm a dark romance author. I cry a lot. I was like, there's no way they're going to give me like an IV of like Xanax like before I even leave if I answer this appropriately. But I just started cracking up laughing. I was like, I swear I don't usually cry in public. Like usually it's behind a computer screen. (laughs) Yeah. This girl is. But sometimes it does come while you're writing, though. Like sometimes it does. Like I surprise myself sometimes. I'll write, have like a really rough outline where it's only two sentences and then I get into the scene and I realize how something can work. So yeah, but the overall arching, that's how it happens in batches when you're doing something mundane and yeah. And it hits you. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, I mean, yeah, that's when the ideas, uh, come for sure. Um, so then after you finish, like your first, so you get it, you have your idea and then you put it down and then you just, um, so I have an editor who that. I work with Donna. It's my beta editor and I'm really insecure while I'm writing, like really insecure, but I have a motto where you can't edit a bank blank page. And if you get stuck on Very one true. part, move to another part or work backwards in that chapter because you're stuck for a reason, but holding all of the creativity and holding up the plot over like, how is this conversation going to start or how, you know, something like that. If you can move forward and see your characters in the other scenes or at the end of that, that scene, then I feel like you should keep going and keep moving. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's funny. This is, Something funny, I, I once read by some like writing guru or whatever, but he said, uh, he's like, if you can't figure out how to start your uh, book or like your next chapter, pick up the nearest book within like arm's length to you, turn to page 44, and the first line on that page is like your first line. Or something like yeah. That. 
Yeah, it's just just um, use whatever yeah, you point. can. And put them in a room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like getting... to start backwards. I like mm-hmm. to because you know how you want your chapter to end. You know, you know how you want it to feel. So if you can start backwards and write that last paragraph, and then well, what happened before? Well, what happened before? Well, what happened before? And then you get up to where you were stuck, and either you stay stuck and you hit it on your read through, or you move forward and figure it out. That's super. So you actually you write the ending. Sometimes. Well, before. I write, so that's a chapter. If I'm stuck, if I'm stuck on something, I'll go to the end of the chapter and write backwards. But I do actually write the ending before the majority of it because some of the criticism I got in my earlier books, and this goes back to what we're talking about earlier about learning to be a better author, said that my endings were rushed. And a lot of that is true. Um, so the one of the ways that I figured out how to fix this is I'll write my first couple of chapters and I'll make notes about my powerful scenes that I've had so that I don't forget them. And then I write the ending. I write about two to three chapters in the end and I write my epilogue uh, or I, sometimes I save my epilogue um, just because it's, if you get to a hard part, it's nice to go and write an epilogue. So you're like, it's going to be okay. Um, yeah. So then I write my first chapter, write my last few um, and then I, I do a rough outline in between and connect the dots. So, and as I'm going, I'll send chunks to my beta editor. So she'll read as I'm going and say, Hey, this, you know, continuity error here, continuity error there. That way, as I'm going first, I have the confidence that it's not crap because Donna is very blunt and she's told me before, like, this is anticlimactic or no, this doesn't make sense, or this makes him very unlikable. I'm not feeling this, like very blunt. So if she's keeping up with me and everything's going well, it gives me confidence to continue. And then I send it to two other content um, and developmental editors, and I get their feedback, and I compile that, and then I send it to a polisher editor at the same time as I send it to my ARC team. Um, oh, and I, when I send it to my two editors, I also send it to my betas. So I just got notes back from... Um, the one content developer and I made those corrections and sent it back with the corrections to the other content editor. So I'm waiting on those and my beta feedback before I can send it out to the ARC for SCARD. But yeah, so a lot of people have their hands on my work within a week time. Like they all work very quickly. And by the time I finish my first draft, I do a read through in a day or two and then I send it out and it's nonstop and I can't, I'm very anxious until I hear back. Like very anxious. <laughs> nice, yeah. Eddie, I mean, what you said hey, about the, like the rushed endings, I've mm-hmm. gotten that too. So that's something I'm like trying to work on. I think it's try doing like, that. Try writing the ending. Yeah, because no, I, just like like the sweet tragedy when I was talking about you know all their difficulties. You know how it needs to end. Like you know what is missing and where the disconnection is. So you should be able to write that last chapter when everything problems are solved and they're coping with it together, you should be able to write that um, before and not needing anything else. So yeah. as long as you know the main complex, you should be good. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I really like that. And I think to, um, I mean, I always just compare. It's like, like writing has to me, it's like, um, it's like a lot of things that if you just keep doing it, if you just don't give up, like you're going to get better at it too. It's yeah. like if you're a bat, if you're a slow like racer and you finish slow, you just have to keep doing it and keep, keep trying yeah. to trying to work on the ending. Um, and that's why I don't stop when I get stuck either. You just got to keep going because you're going to figure out what's missing if you just keep going and what was holding you up. So I've never done a read through where I have missing chunks that I wasn't able to fill. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So we are getting uh, probably about, damn, we're about at about 47 minutes right now. So, um, but that was, that's like twice as long as what you wanted. Yeah, no, that's good. This is like really uh, eye opening. So I think it was, it's great. Um, Okay. I do have one more question though. Okay. Um, I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) Well, all right. What, let's see. So who, like, who are your, I lied. I might have one, one more after this, but who are your influences okay. as a writer? Um, like, well, my influencers as a writer, um, Ella James is definitely one. I read Sloth when I was a reader, and um, it's amazing. Uh, she trampled on my heart 
and then was like, put it back in my chest with a staple gun. I was like, just kidding. Um, so first of all, I love her work. And second of all, um, I almost reached out to her when I started writing, but I didn't, I resisted. I don't, I feel very, you know, I feel insecure and I'm also afraid of being kind of, um, projected or being emotionally hurt from authors I've read before that I feel like, you know, she'll always be up here to me. So I'm always afraid to reach out to somebody who I feel like I know. Um, and she literally the next day, it was because she'd posted in JD Hawkins Facebook group and he, or he did, and he tagged her. And I was like, Oh my God, I know somebody who knows her. And then she messaged me the next day about posting in the begging for bad boys, my Facebook group. And I was just, you know, beside myself and we have so much in common and hearing her, she's read my books. I've read her books and to have a conversation, a mutual conversation about how much we love each other's books. It's, it's, there's so much motivation and strength that can come from that, from just having someone who like, you know, that they know what's good because they wrote it. And that like, it, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get better than having a top 10 favorite author tell you that your work is good. And you know, like, so that right there is amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm going to say her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. What's wow, the next that's, one? That's pretty good. So, all right. This right. is yeah. the, um, it's the last question, but it's just, so what, like, what is, where, where is Willow Winters going next year? What are you doing? What's, Ooh. uh, what's well, I have, um, the sins and secrets. So my, my four P's for this year, my new year's resolutions were progress, not perfection. And I think I did that one really well. And um, because I'm a perfectionist and very hard on myself and I've tried to lighten up a little bit and moving wide was actually really good for that. Cause when you move wide from KU people, your expectations drop, like people don't expect you to, <laughs> to be able to, you know, do well. So that was, that was a nice, easy fit. Um, and then patience still working on that. Um, yeah, that one's probably my, my worst one. And then to be present because, you know, I work a lot. And even though I was there with my family, a lot of times I wasn't actually there. Mm-hmm. And um, hiring Sophie and um, having a PA that I can really rely on um, really helped me with that also. So those are my four pieces from last year. And this year I was just talking to Alta Hensley, and she said that her goal is to do 100% everything to double everything. Um, I, I don't think I can do that. And that thought is like anxiety. So is I'm going to do try 100% everything 100, like double her Facebook page, like double so, her newsletter, double so 200%. her word count. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Or, one, or plus 100. What is, yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. What double. I, yeah. Output. Wow. That's... Um, so I'm going to try for that, but don't hold me to it. But the two goals that I always have, and that's what I told her, I'm just going to try to stick with the same two goals. I always have one, write books that I love that are on market. That on market part is the business side and to grow my reader base and try to reach new readers. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to do that. That's my goals. And I'm going to do that with, I have, um, she asked for it coming out in January, which is uh, a mind fuck. <laughs> and I hope people really like it. It's a romance still. I know people are going to love this to answer this question that from coming from you, what okay. is like the one top piece of advice you'd give someone who is like it say a a reader who has maybe dabbled a little bit and they're like you know I'm kind of writing a little bit of something and I just don't know where to get started or what advice would you get them okay so I have um three pieces of advice the first one is don't stop writing you're gonna be shit on um you're gonna feel like shit you're gonna feel like you're a phony you're going to hate some of the things that you write um you're going to feel like you're failing in everything. There's going to be so much negativity that sometimes you just want to quit and uh, get your computer and write a chapter. Do not stop writing. Um, Just don't do it. That's the best thing you can do is to just keep writing and keep doing your thing. The second piece is um, have patience with yourself, but know what you're doing and pay attention um, it's not okay to fail in some areas. Well, that's not wrong. Okay. That's not right. 
it's not wrong also, but it's also not right. You're going to fail, um, but take note of what happens and, and try to correct yourself. And even if it takes a little bit of time, like I learned that I messed up with metadata stuff and it took me time to go backwards and fix things mm-hmm. and make sure everything was up to date. But I did fix them. Like you've, you've got to pay attention because you're running a business. You're not just an author and you need to be aware of that. Um, so don't stop writing and pay attention. And then the third part is be proud of yourself because this is very hard. Like you're going to write a novel. You're going to put something that's in your subconscious and you're going to bring it to life and be able to share that with people. Not everybody can do that now, but not everybody has a calling to do that either. So hold on to that and keep your happy because you know it should make you happy to do it. And if you find yourself not happy, consider why, but don't you dare stop writing. (laughs) You better keep writing, um, and finish that story because if it's a story that's not making you happy, consider why that's, I'll just say, yeah, consider your happy and make it a priority. Yeah. So there's a, that's the advice I would have. Is that good advice? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. So yeah. It's very broad. Yeah. It's I mean, I think just to keep writing is the key and it really that's is. That's like the number I mean, if anything I almost else quit before Willow yeah. Winters almost didn't exist. I almost quit. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, halfway into writing Dirty Dom, yeah. I mean, in spite of everything, you could if you, you know, if you do marketing but you don't have a book, you have nothing. But if you do right. if you write the book but you don't do marketing. I mean, you still do have the book. Like and when it comes down to it, money later on. Yeah, writing yeah. is the writing is the most important part. And you can't, uh, yes. you know, you can't not do it. So, but right. be conscious of the fact that you're running a business. There are so many people who don't seem to be conscious of that and think that if their book is good enough, it's going to succeed, even if they don't consider the business aspects. And that's wrong. Like my first book that did nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm the yeah. same person I was then, you know, and those books aren't selling. And like my, the, my maiden name, pen name, those books are still published, but they're not doing nearly as well. And it's, you know, you have to learn and, and grow, but yeah, just be conscious of what you're doing and pay attention. <laughs> I probably say that a lot, don't I? My dad told me a lot growing up, pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's. It's easier, it's easier said than done, though, for sure. It is. It is. Yeah. But um, all right. So, what books? Uh, what do books do you have out right now that you want to plug? Um, well, Damaged, I think, is my best book that I've ever written. It's very emotional, and um, it's uh, based in New York City with powerful men and women. Um, and this man in particular is a bad boy from Brooklyn who um, never got over his ways because he didn't have to. He got a job as a fixer hanging out and basically babysitting, um, high end clients. And, um, he got married, fell in love and got married and you see their romance and how it develops. But the series, the sense and secret series is all about how, even if your love is meant to be, and you true do truly love each other, your past can absolutely destroy you and tear you apart. And your sins and secrets will always come back. And the first thing that they go after are the people who you love. Got some chills so, there. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. That's, that's, I, that's, I really love the book and it's, it's really emotional and in the best way. Um, and it's a duet and I just finished the sequel of it. And that's the one that I'm anxiously awaiting feedback on their conclusion. But at the end of their story, my heart is like racing out of my chest. So I hope it's the same for everybody else and that you get that, that good feeling at the end. Yeah. yeah awesome well uh, willow winters everybody go check her out go just go to amazon or itunes or your preferred uh yeah bookstore digital <laughs> bookstore or real bookstore yes and, yeah um, and it, if they don't have willow winters ask them why not um, yes <laughs> in, in the real bookstores but they're all on all over amazon and um so check them out so, all right, Willow. Well, thank you so much for talking today. And yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. You know, I always love to talk. Yeah, I know. I could talk. We could probably talk. We could, we could talk probably forever. do like a whole yeah. other uh, round. We literally could just else. keep going. Yeah. yeah, we could just keep 
talking about this stuff. But um, anyways, I think people are going to enjoy and get a lot out of, especially maybe burgeoning writers, but also hopefully uh, yeah. interesting for readers just to see, you know, what's going oh, through yeah. the mind. Get a peek behind the, the writers of romance. Behind yes. the dark, dark romance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, all right, Will. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks, Mickey. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast this week. Next week, we are going to have Isabella Starling coming out for the next episode. So check that out in episode number three. Until then, check out my books on Amazon, Mickey Miller. Check out Willow's books. Just, again, search Willow Winters. And you can also check out my website, MickeyMillerWrites.com, where I post a little bit about writing. So, all right. Have a good one, everyone, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>